I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about a brand new movie for the weekend. We haven't been, we haven't done this in a while. No, man, we haven't reviewed a new movie in a long time. Last time we did five movies in a row, 10 minutes each. It was a January roundup. But today we got one movie, Birds of Prey. Now, the official title of this movie is Birds of Prey, The Emancipation of the Fantabulous... No, no, wait. The Fantabulous (laughs) Emancipation of the One Harley Quinn. Actually, as of an hour ago, Warner Brothers has changed the title. What? Warner Brothers has changed the title officially to Harley Quinn, colon, Birds of Prey. No way. They have. What is this? Edge of Tomorrow? Exactly, and it's actually trending oh trending online. Edge of Tomorrow is trending because of that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so they shortened it up. They put the focus on Harley Quinn at the beginning of the title. So we have a new title, people, right on the spot, just an hour before we started recording here. Uh, and also, because this is a pretty big movie, and we're not just going to be talking about the movie. We're also going to be talking about, really quick, a recap of last night's Oscars. And to join us for that... He's been a guest on the show before. The one, the only, Colby Mack. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I am back on the Always a Critic podcast. And it feels great to be back. Oh, thank you so we much. We loved having you last time for It Chapter 2. It took us a hot minute to figure out when was the last time you were on the show. I can't believe it's been so long, but we're so happy to have you back. Oh it's good. Yeah. It's, it's really good to see your beautiful faces. Yes. I'm always hearing your amazing voices. Uh, all these these huge pods. You guys have been going over your hour, which I'm like, whoa, this is so unlike them with all these Ugh, celebrations of 2019 <laughs> and doing five films and whoop, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we really loaded. Yeah, January is usually the graveyard of the movie season, but somehow we just like made the most out of it. We got through a bunch of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. This this January and like definitely this first week of February has been probably the busiest in my my very mm. small <laughs> career. Um yeah, it, it's it's yeah. it's I, I I'm ready for a vacation. <laughs> right? Oh, it I know. feels like a, we've been and like we at took the a week off. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. We took a week off, and it feels like there's just so much stuff that you have to touch on. Like it's it's mm. it's crazy. This truncated award season, especially with the Oscars happening last night. Like I got luckily, I, I'm clinically, um, I've been clinically, uh, um, what's the what's the word? Uh, whatever. Diagnosed. I'm I'm yeah, diagnosed. I'm sleep elite. I only need four hours of sleep in order to like look at this no guy. Way. Look at this yeah, guy. Only four. As long as I get four hours, I am good. Um, so I was good after last night, you know, um, and it, it just trying to keep up with like getting all the tweets out and like, you know, trying to <laughs> do all the graphics and lining up I everything know. with my with my picks and my gosh, I, yeah. this is hard. I bombed. <laughs> Speaking of last night, last night was the 92nd Academy Awards. Um, I think the Y'all first watched. thing we got to say, <laughs> Parasite. Yes. The Bong Hive. Yes. All hail. Yeah, so I didn't watch the Oscars last night, but Whoa. I'm really happy that Parasite won four Oscars. Not one, not two, not three, four Oscars, including the top award of the evening. 
It's best picture. Best picture. Best picture. Um, this is a huge milestone. Number one, it's the first non-American or non-English speaking film to win best picture. Number yeah. one. Uh, this was South Korea's first Oscar nomination to actually get into the Oscars and they win. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho is a master at his craft in current time and we rewarded him right on time. Usually the Oscars Ooh. waits years. Like in you know, like someone like Martin Scorsese didn't win for Taxi Driver, didn't win for Raging Bull, didn't win for Goodfellas, but he finally won for The Departed years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the Academy is usually late. This time they were on time. It, it, it was shocking. Yeah, it was, everyone was waiting for uh, what nineteen seventeen to to get Best Picture, and then a lot Bong of people Ho, when he got I think Best Director, everyone was like, oh. Yeah, as soon oh, as he okay. won Best Director, yeah. I was just like, oh, oh my God, it's happening. He yeah. thought he was done. I, I, so watching the entire event, and I got to say, the telecast, Jess, it was it was really cool. Um, Something was about Eminem was doing Lose Yourself. There was a lot of yeah, surprises. Was- Very weird. <laughs> to me, it felt like the entire show just like like zoomed by, but then you notice that it was running long, and I'm like... I don't get so they packed a lot in there and they've mm-hmm. also taken stuff that we like would typically see out, which was pretty peculiar. But seeing Bong get up there and like that's the most endearing thing about this man and like why like I love this industry is that he has that genuine zeal and joy for winning. And he's mm-hmm. like like you see like the the, pr- the pride that he has in people appreciating his art. Cause I gotta be honest with you, I did not think this academy would. I did not right. think that this voting body would do the right thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe based off of how last year <laughs> ended, they decided to self-correct. But wow. Oh, right. Right. So <laughs> what happened? So I think what you and I, was? me and Colby, we did uh, predictions. Uh, mm-hmm. I did it separately. I went through a website, Award Theory, where it tracks it you know, for you. I'm sure you were tracking yourself. Out of the 24 awards, how many did you get right? 16. I'm sorry, can I hear that again? 16. 16. <laughs> okay, so it's not as it's not that bad. I, I I got 18, and that's because like I fooled around with two of them when for no reason. Um, mm. I decided I don't know why. Renee Zellweger was a lock. And I just decided, what if there's an upset in one of these acting categories? And then, you know, oh. she, of course, won. And then the other oh, so one. So you were comiendo mierda. Yeah, I was comiendo mierda. <laughs> and so then the other one was uh, Hilder winning best score. She won at the BAFTA. She won at the Golden Globes. But for some reason, I thought, what if they give it to someone else? So that was my fault on that one. But hmm. I am glad to say that I picked Parasite. So you picked all the. Wow. I'm surprised. I just. all the Oscars theories and Oscar puzzles and stuff like that that you put together, Parasite didn't seem like that it had the trajectory to win, Mm. except that there was this massive upset. And because the season was so short, it was kind of, it threw a lot of things up in the air. But even though I have my qualms with the last 20 to 25 minutes of Parasite, (laughs) Mm. up until Mr. Kim makes that that decision, it is easily one of the top three films of the year. It's beautiful. So I don't knock the best director win. I, I have some issues with screenplay because nobody's reading the screenplay at all. Let's, like, let's not pretend nobody's reading these screenplays. No, okay, of course well, not. Of course you know, not. But um, but I'm happy for it. Like, I, yes. I, I, I love just like he <laughs> he had no idea. When he won for best director, and you just see his face. He's just like, what is going yeah. on? 
Like, it just was, like it was, it's beautiful shocked. to see that. And the fact that, you know, he was very much congratulatory of his fellow nominees. I like that. Quentin was happy for him. Marty was happy for him. Like, that was dope. It, it was a mm. really good, you know, sight to see. Man. And also, he took advantage of the moment by pointing out to Martin Scorsese, like, he's such a huge influence that he got the crowd to give Martin Scorsese a standing ovation during mm-hmm. his own acceptance award of yeah. Best Director, which was cool. Um, at the end, he was like, at the end of Best Director, he says, I need a drink. <laughs> and then at the end of winning a Best Picture, I'm drinking till morning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's so cute seeing him go back and forth between his interpreter, who's like a rock star now, yeah. um, and then him like, you <laughs> yes, know, with he's his like English. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. So I, I have a blind spot for documentaries and um, international films. So I'm mm. going to make it, I'm going to be very intentional this year on exploring, you know, more of that. So I want to go back and catch what got Bong to this place. Yeah, oh, that is right, true. Right. Yeah, because you got Snowpiercer, amazing movie. You got the host, and I the know host. It's on Netflix. I just gotta get to you it. You gotta, you gotta watch it. Yeah. And the huge thing about that movie is that it is produced by the Weinstein Company, and Bong and Harvey Weinstein had a lot of clashing because mm-hmm. of the way that Bong wanted to do it versus the way Harvey wanted to do it. Harvey wanted a more action propulsive type of movie versus Bong who wanted to settle down in moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he Keep even lied to Harvey Weinstein. Um, <laughs> so there's a moment in the it it involves fish. I won't say what it is, okay. but it involves fish. And so he said to Harvey, you know, this is very important to me because my father, he was a fisherman, Stop. so it's, it was it was it was an homage to my father. And so Harvey was like, "Nothing's more important to family. We'll leave it in." And then oh after God. the movie was released, it was like, "I fucking lied to him. My father wasn't a fisherman." <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking this guy more and more. Yeah, he he He's is great. great. He is great. Yeah. Uh, so now, really quick, before we move into our review of Birds of Prey. What I want to do really fast, because I think with Parasite winning, I think we just I just want to look back at just the past 10 winners of Best Picture. Oh, no. Don't really do quick, this. Just really quick. I just want to look back at it. And is this the best one of the winners? The winners. Just the winners. Mm. You always so, got to rank it. So I just want just... <laughs> If it is, if it's not. So okay, 2010, just, King's Speech. Okay. 2011, The Artist. 2012, Argo. 2013, 12 Years a Slave. 2014, Birdman. 2015, Spotlight. 2016, Moonlight. 2017, The Shape of Water. 2018, Green Book. And of course, 2019, Parasite. Uh, I don't want recency bias to be you know, something that is said about this, but... Okay, I got a hot take. I really like the artist. Like, yeah, I know. you. I, I don't get that one. <laughs> it's, it's not a film that I... I don't hate it. Like, I, I, I remember distinctly are, like, enjoying in yeah. that year. The artist, like, you know, was it... um How do you pronounce it? Like, Donju Darjain? Yeah. He was so charismatic. black Like, it was a really fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I remember like enjoying it quite a bit. It didn't, it, it doesn't stay with me though. So like no. from this crop, no, I'm trying okay. to find films that like really left a mark. I never and watched Argo, still haven't watched Spotlight, don't at me. Mm-hmm. And then 12 years, I haven't watched it, but I feel in my bones that I would love it. You would love 12 Years a Slave? 
Yeah, our, like our, it would it would be no, that's the wrong terminology. You would appreciate you would I appreciate would deeply appreciate twelve years of sleep gotcha. and that I would consider it like a best of kind of Got it. movie. Okay, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you can miss me with Green Book. You can miss me oh, with no, uh, Moonlight because uh, I just watched that one. And I like didn't get it at all. I was like, okay. I see the concept, and I'm like, why is this a best picture? <laughs> for me, out of the the ten winners, my favorite has been Spotlight. Okay, um, I love Spotlight. I think coming from a journalism background that that was my thing that was that's I was, is that one of those pictures where the story itself is stronger than the film like the story is yeah, so the story is powerful. strong yeah the, yeah i, I can you know, i can understand that yes cuz it charts just like a lot of other kind of these courtroom <laughs> journalism thriller dramas like yeah. the things that make it special is just mainly how how the the scope of like the the ensemble. Yeah, like mm. I I love Rachel McAdams. I didn't understand the the nomination for her. Like there wasn't a lot. No, excuse me. It wasn't. It wasn't my part. Not it wasn't. She was good. It was mainly with uh, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. It was such <sighs> a minimal things that he was asked to do and he did them really really well right but you know what it was it was that moment where he screams out they knew and they yeah. let it happen it's it's that moment that, it, it's that's those <laughs> oscar moments it's like it's oh, that's moments. gonna go on the oscar reels you raise yeah. your voice raise your voice you're nominated <laughs> you're nominated I so think for I, me, yeah shape of water um it, appe- it appeals water. to my sci-fi sensibilities mm. a lot okay. with great performances this kind of deeply disturbing michael shannon his sex scene with his wife is like, like Oof. I will not forget it. Oof. I really, really won't. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think Parasite can be held in the upper echelon of this group of 10. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. And uh, just depending on taste, obviously. You yeah, know, for something. sure. It's all about your, your personal taste. Right. But I think that yeah. this is one of the strongest wins for a best picture in, in, in this decade. It's one of the in strongest ones. a long time. One. For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, that is enough about the Oscars. If you want to look at more, uh, you can actually check out Colby's Twitter feed. Or you can even check out the Always the Critic podcast Twitter feed. Because I was tweeting the entire night. <laughs> so was Colby. So you can check out our thoughts the in real time. The boys had some fun. Exactly. So now let's go ahead and let's move into our review of Birds of Prey. You know what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. No one gives two shits who we are beyond that. The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start, but it turns out I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. Spectacular news! Miss Quinn, she belongs to me. Who are you guys? And that was from the trailer from Birds of Prey, the IMDb synopsis. After splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. 
So the it, the movie was directed by Kathy Yan, a Chinese American filmmaker. Great to see yeah. that. It was written by Christina Hodson. Uh, so she is a screenwriter. She helped write on Bumblebee. She currently has three scripts on the Blacklist. The Blacklist is a very big wow. deal for screenwriters because it's that list of potential m- movies that could be made. So mm-hmm. that is gr- big deal, big deal for her. Now, the movie stars Margot Robbie. She's back after her portrayal in Suicide Squad. Uh, the newcomers, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, Rosie Perez, Ella J. Basco, and Ewan McGregor. Yep. Now, cinematography. Yeah, go ahead. Can we, t- we need to talk about this. Because yeah, the cinematography do. is by Matthew Libatique. He's got like 72 DP credits to his name, oh, which is he, insane. This guy's real. Yes. He did Requiem for a Dream, which still gives me nightmares. Iron Man, Black Swan, Straight Outta Compton, A Star is Born. That's right. From last year. That star is born and Venom most recently. So I think this guy is a superhero slash Oscar kind of person. They got a pretty yeah, good cinematographer to work on this movie. They really did. And it shows in the Rotten Tomato score. If you look at it, critics liked it. 81%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Audiences liked it. 81%. Now, the box office is a, a little, little bit low. Uh, opening weekend, $33.4 million opening weekend for a superhero movie that is not great. Um, we have seen success in the month of February in the past. Mm-hmm. We've sure. seen it with Deadpool. We've seen it with Black Panther. Those are movies mm-hmm. that have opened in February in their yeah. respective years, and they made big money those times. Yeah. Uh, so we'll discuss to see this maybe is what, really, what I think happen. this is disappointing yeah it is disappointing because this no is a matter good movie. what if you like or dislike the movie there was a lot of females in front of the camera and behind the camera and a lot yeah. of talent on here on the screen and behind the screen and for the numbers to not show out like like it should have it's yeah. real sad yeah it is sad but let's go with the positive let's talk about what we thought about this movie in general. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's start with our guest, Colby. What did you think in general terms of the movie Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey? <laughs> Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Yo, it is definitely fun, right? It's definitely mm-hmm. outrageous. It is stylized, but ultimately it's a cool film. And this movie, like it really did at the time live up to its name of being fantabulous there's this sense of like spectacle because you have such a charming protagonist in margot robbie's uh lead character of harley quinn and she really does take her character to another level which is great because not that she was like shackled in suicide squad but the focus wasn't on her she was an accessory where here she is the she's the accent piece like Mm -hmm. she is essentially and, and, and I, rightfully so, it, it sucks that it took till after the film came out to recognize this should have always been and marketed as a Harley Quinn movie because that's where the strength of this film is. She's got room to play. And I love the fact that this film builds off of Suicide Squad because I was a fan of it. I'm one of those. Oh, Instead okay. of like pretending like it didn't happen. <laughs> it's still in this world, still vibrant, still crazy, and found a way to keep the aesthetic Add in some new spices of detail, Black Canary, Renee Montoya, um, Huntress, 
and it worked for me. I think everything is really, really solid, and I love what Ewan McGregor brought to <laughs> yes. Black Mask. And yes. I will say this, and I've been getting a little bit of shit for it. Me personally, I think that he is in the conversation performance-wise with what um, Joaquin does in Joker and with what okay. Keith does in Joker. Yes. See, I this say. is. I already saw this post, and I wanted to bring it up to you because I already like we're about to fight. Because what is this? What is this? I I don't Yo, know what you're doing. Okay, settle the, down. The characterization is just like I. Uh, as a trained actor, mm. I'm seeing Ewan do something that we don't get a chance to see. And I'm seeing his physical manifestations. I'm seeing the acting that he's doing with his eyes, the way that he's responding to characters. And I think that he really understood the movie that he was in. And while it doesn't have this strong transformational effect like what Joaquin does in Joker or yeah. what Heath does in The Dark Knight, mm. it's still on par with those performances completing this 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 transformation this is not Ewan he flips between this kind of you know um sycophant that's also a bit uh-huh. uh, you know flamboyant yes and I mean there's this scene that he has inside of his nightclub that you just like that's the point if you were not yeah. scared of him in mm-hmm. that scene like that's like whoa yeah and I, was, I, I I loved it he was wonderful I had a great time watching Ewan and you could tell that he was just like basking in this role he really enjoyed it i thought he was deliciously devious that was that Ooh, was like yes. when i left the theater i was like he was like devious but like he liked it it tasted mm-hmm. good to him you know it was like deliciously devious was like the term that i thought of in my head for ewan's portrayal of this dude which i've never read the comics i just know him as this masked figure who is so bad he's good <laughs> I, I agree that he is an um, he's doing an amazing performance in here. Uh, and exactly what you were saying, Colby, he knows what type of movie he is in. Uh, Margot Robbie knows what type of movie she's in. Most of the people in this movie know what type of movie they're in because it's an over-the-top characterization of these characters. You know, mm-hmm. you it's basically bringing the comics and just slapping it onto the screen, pretty much. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a great yeah. job about it. Um I enjoyed a lot of aspects of this movie. I think a lot of the needle drops that happen throughout the movie are very well done. A lot of the covers are really good. Yes, that soundtrack Uh, is fire. Soundtrack is fire. Man, that was Um, lit. The comedy. There's so many good comedic (laughs) bits throughout that are just great, funny bits. And sometimes they call back to them and you just laugh because you remember earlier in the movie, oh, that's where it came from. Uh, And... (laughs) So overall, I had a great time watching this movie. I think, Jessica, I can speak for you that you had a great time watching this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, we watched it together. I had yeah. a great time Did watching this movie. Did you see it in Dolby? No, no. I didn't see it in Dolby. No, I know. Oh, God. I, I need to watch it, it again. If you, if you get around out. to a second watch, Dolby, yes. the Dolby cheat code works. It you, I'm telling you, when she's breaking bones, you feel it in your chair. <laughs> it feels <laughs> glorious. So I think... Unless somebody else has anything to add in general about the movie, I think we could go ahead and give out our scores here on Always the Critic Podcast. We rate it out of five. I know that Colby does have his scale of one to ten. Um, but Jessica, I'll start with you. Uh, what'd you give the movie? Okay, I'm looking around, making sure no one's about to get me. Four out of five. Four out of five. Yes. That is rare for you. 
That's rare. It's high. Yeah. That is a high score. I had a lot of fun. This was a cool movie, just like Kobe said. And I think that the movie going experience and what this movie tried to do with what it was given, I think it it kind of worked. Everything was pretty simpatico. Yeah. All right, Colby, what'd you give this movie? Ditto, baby. I'm at a four. Hey, hey look at that. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah, nice. Four out of five. This film, it's like I said, even with everything that I love and a couple of little pacing issues in the first mm. and second act and the screenplay is probably the weakest element of the film. But all in all, when a film charms you over, you can start kind of like, all right, I don't care about that other stuff. <laughs> yes. I'm going to enjoy myself, you know? Yeah. For so sure. for me, uh, I gave the score a 3.5. Oh. Uh, just a little bit less, just a little bit less. Uh, I still had a lot of fun. There's some stuff that either kind of pulled me out of the movie just like momentarily or that I found a little too silly or, mm-hmm. you know, just little things here and there. But overall, great movie. I recommend it to anyone who would want to watch it. And also, this is, I would say, three in a row for DC in terms of like fun action movies that are not yeah. that don't suck pretty much that's aquaman shazam and now birds of prey three in a row fun movies that don't suck like they're oh, well. they're trying stuff they're trying <laughs> stuff exactly the aquaman claim is a little like shaky for me but it doesn't okay. suck it does not suck it doesn't it's, suck it does but not suck. i'm not gonna it's not well I'm not gonna uh, get an aquaman t-shirt yeah <laughs> fair enough all right so with that said let's go ahead and we're gonna move right into spoilers the greatest trick houston we have a problem i am the father i see dead people the devil ever pulled Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk about it. So where do you guys want to start? There's so we mentioned many- the music. Wait. Let's start with the music. Let's start with the music. So to me, the music was so juicy. Mm. And it had this like urban, like hip hop sound to it. A lot of like club music and very much, I thought it was unorthodox. I was playing it in my car and my sister was like, this is a weird soundtrack. And I was like, I know, isn't it awesome? (laughs) Because it's definitely not conventional. Um, To me, things that come to other movies that come to mind with this same sort of flair or like Into the Spider-Verse, Black Panther, Waves. These are movies that have extremely strong soundtracks and i appreciated that the soundtrack featured mostly women artists i don't think i found a male artist on there except for like taiga who was featured you know as a rapper on one of the songs just on one of the songs yeah so i thought that was amazing to pull that together and get all of these different female artists to come together and make such a great soundtrack and again they're sampling other songs in a couple of them, like um, Sway With Me. Sway With Me. That, oh, my God. Loved it. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. The, the, I music, had a, the music was more impressive than what I really thought it was going to be. Yeah. Same. It, same. It, it was crazy. And, and like you had mentioned, Enrico, the covers in this in this film, they're clever. And I like that. It really does feel like that there was an intentional you know, effort to make sure that these are like tunes that you could see like teens and like, you know, young adult women like playing in their cars. Right. 
Because right. ultimately, we got to understand what the focus of the story is. This is the story about Margot Robbie, who is young in her own right, mm-hmm. getting out of a... This is a breakup movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is the soundtrack to her life, dealing with the breakup and making new friends along the way. So I think that the music should accentuate that as a part of the narrative. And, and, and then still being very much a part of the atmosphere. Mm. I, the, the, the song that rocked me, and, and it was integrated in the performance, is what Black Canary's doing inside a Black Mass Club. Yes. With, uh, uh, yes. It's a man's with, uh, world. It's a man's, man's world. world. My yes. God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that is um, the actress singing that song. Yes. That's Journey Smollett Bell singing yeah. that song. Bow Reel. The Smollett's, wow. that family, I've been, I'm, I'm very, very familiar with them since I was a boy. Okay. <laughs> um, me and Jesse used to play together when we were kids. We grew up around the same woods and stuff like that. Oh, you actually um, know him, know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it kind of all comes back. They are very, very talented. There's like 10 of them. There's a lot, right? A lot <gasps> of the Smollett's, right? Um, and you forget that like, yo, she's, she, she's been on screen since she's been four years old. Do you remember her in Full House? She was Michelle's best friend. Oh. 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 Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So she's been around, man. And it's, yeah. and it's crazy to think that this is the biggest film that she's ever done. And mm-hmm. she's a seasoned vet. Like, this, like you know, this. she's here. And what she does is Black Canary. It's just like, wow. And I know. Her, her pipes and stuff like that. And the, the, the way that the scene was crafted, it yeah. was really, really It was beautiful. powerful. Very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so totally Kobe powerful. also... Okay. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Colby also talked about the aesthetics carrying over from Suicide Squad. Personally, I'd never seen Suicide Squad, but I love the aesthetics of Birds of Prey. It was super colorful. Um, I thought it was super different from the other DC movies, which people tend to associate with something that's gritty looking, grimy, something that's desaturated, very kind of grayscale, moody. It was not like that at all. It was like a rainbow on the screen like you know I mean, it was just awesome when she blows up the the chemical plant do you see yes. how, like just you, that that shot like one inside of the background and she's way deep in the foreground it there's these purples there's these like neon yellows and it's just like all lit up as if like the sky was already kind of like burning in acid mm. it is it is it's it's mm. it's really yes. beautiful when you look at it. it it feels like a neon painting the entire time and yeah. i think that what we have to remember, like when it comes to these films and where DC's trying to go with certain characters, right? These are cartoon characters. These are comic book characters. I love the the Dark Knight trilogy. But the one thing that it does that's tough for so many people to reconcile is that it's grounded this part of DC so much. People forget that these characters are cartoon characters. And the fact that they Harley are. Quinn came from a cartoon character, not even the comic book. She was. She came from Batman the Animated Series. Right? Yeah, that's where she was made. So, like, we have to be like, we have to recognize that that this is not a real person. Oh, well, if she was in the real world, she wouldn't be able to do that. You're right, because she's a cartoon character. When she <laughs> fights, she fights like how she does in the video game, and I love that. I played Injustice every now and then, uh. and the fight <laughs> choreography in this film, my gosh, yes, like, let's they, it matches a lot that. of it. It that does. That was awesome. Yeah. The action in this movie was well choreographed. I loved how it was filmed, more like wide angle John Wick style. It was at times I thought it was very slapstick, like slapstick violence. Right. 
And some like when she slams her entire body on that man's legs oh, and God, they yes. like bust out the other way, she breaks his legs. It was so gnarly, but I was like, oh my God, I didn't like you don't expect it and you're like kind of it's kind of funny, but you're like, oh my god. It's very much like um positive and negative. Yeah. Like it's trying to like <laughs> Accomplish two things at the same time, like I know what you oh mean. man, that's kind of funny. But she just broke that man's legs, like dirty style. <laughs> yeah, um, some of the fighting, just some of the fighting, took me out a little bit. Um, like a lot of like the the easy way that guys would just be flying, like from a simple either punch or kick. Like some okay. of that was just like okay, a little over the top. But mm-hmm. besides that, I mean, somebody has a crossbow, so. I, again, I kind of figured everything it. was on the table <laughs> at that point. Um, but overall, yeah, it, it's a it's a good fighting style. The choreography is a lot of fun, um, and also at the same time, being able to not only coordinate these characters fighting, but also introducing a lot of these characters to people who don't really know who they are, which uh, is the, me, <laughs> right? So. I think they did a great job. I, f- Jessica, for you, how how was it being introduced to these new characters that you've never been introduced to before? I think that some of the pacing issues aside, which I think I agree with Colby's assessment, that like somewhere in the middle I was like, ooh, this feels a little herky-jerky because we're going back, we're going forward, we're going back, we're, we're here again. And it's meant to be like very much crazy, I think, in line with Harley Quinn herself. But... Pacing issues aside, I loved what they did for each character because they gave them an actual foundation, an actual backstory for each person. So you're not like, oh, who's this person coming out of left field? Why am I being told with their whole backstory? Like, I love how they introduced the crossbow girl, <laughs> Huntress, <laughs> where you see uh. the um, the family getting slaughtered. And, like, there's a little itch in the back of your mind where, like, "Mm, something's going to come out of here again. And then we return to that scene, and she survives that whole massacre on her family, and she turns into this, like, (laughs) assassin. I'm like, that's fantastic, (laughs) because we already know about this story, but we're coming back to it, and we're seeing it with fresh lens. That's very interesting to me. They did a very good job with Huntress, only because... (laughs) Two thirds of the movie, yeah. Two thirds of the movie, it's like, oh my god, who is this person with a crossbow who is killing people left and right? And then when we get the proper introduction to her, she is an assassin, yes, but she is an (laughs) awkward, like, no social skills type of person, yes. Yes. And it is hilarious because she basically that's all she did with her life is train, yeah. And it's good that they they understood that the way a lot of these characters are written in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And they don't play well in contemporary times. So they have to add a level of dimension to make it work. So, yes, they said, all right, the Huntress, which just on its face, such a dorky name. But we were dorks in the 80s and 90s, right? So why not add this color to her where she's trying to figure it out on her own? Because the entire film, they're calling her the crossbow killer. And it's so like, it's so (laughs) hammy the way that it's going. And, And to see her practicing in the mirror you can call me and it's going over. And then like, do you know who I am? Do you know (laughs) who I am? 
It was it's, awesome. It's so good. And, 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 and Mary Elizabeth once said she is no, like, she is not a novice when it comes to these kind of superhero flicks. You know, she's been inside of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Granted, yep. she was the dame that was, like, you know, in chase of. Um, right. But she's, I mean, I remember her as the supervillain from Sky High. Like, that's yes. the first time when yes. I really, really remember her. Oh, my God. Her. Uh, deep cut, right? Whoa, and it was so yes. good to have her like this. And I don't understand the laments that some people have put onto this film saying, it was so hard. We got all these new characters. I couldn't keep up with it. There's text what on the do screen. You mean? If you can see Avengers Endgame, on. you can see this movie. It's actually easy to see this movie. Oh my god! Let me not. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. Those criticisms don't make any sense to me. I can see if the narration wasn't there, but like that's a guide, and that's like that's yes. how. And that's how we get like Rosie book. Perez's character as well. Is that she's walking around doing her thing, investigating, and Harley Quinn's voiceover tells you more about what you need to know about her. So her her introduction is different, totally different. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like that a lot. It, yeah. It's different. It, it's a little bit of show, a little bit of tell. And the tell isn't like a boring tell. No. The, she knows really how to liven fun. up a story. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's so, very energetic. <laughs> so speaking of Harley Quinn, because obviously the story is more focused on her as the central character. Um, I know that she has her own look that is kind of different from the comics. And and from the even the TV show, but uh, Jessica, did you? How did you I feel had some about thoughts this? On this. Because personally, I have a lot of issues with um, action heroes who are female that run around in heels, run around in white pants that don't get dirty. Shit like that really bothers me. But Harley is not dressed in like booty shorts the whole time. She loses a shoe at one point, and I was like, I feel that. <laughs> um, oh, I was so, I was so hope- waiting. I'm like, they're gonna fuck up somehow, and that she's gonna come back. Like, no, no, no. They made sure that she was in her like these glittery socks the entire yes. time. I was like, that's commitment right there. Yes, I like that a lot. <laughs> the costuming and the makeup—they were beautiful. They were colorful, and I think that ultimately they were non-traditionally appealing. She looked more like a pop star to me, or a K-pop star than like a female comic book character and that was made it better because i think that how she's drawn in the comics how she's drawn in the animated is very much and even how she was dressed in suicide squad was very much followed the male gaze very much objectifying her not to mention that like i said running around in heels running around in white pants it's not very functional at all so to me to see her yep Thank you, Colby, for that. He just sent over a uh, photo of Harley Quinn, and I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. That rendering yeah, is yeah, not uh, not okay. That's in, but, like, you, like you talked about it with that male gaze. Yes. Like, it, it's it's unfortunate, and we had this in Captain Marvel. Um, hmm. We were taught how to perceive these characters at a very early age, right? Yeah. And I've been able to reconcile it as a 33-year-old man that I thought that, one— these women superheroes were always there to service their male protagonists. They had no agency of their own, mm. and they were meant to prop up and be just eye candy. Um, yes. Even when we were kids, Harley Quinn was, I 
hi, you pudding. And she's got her, you know, she's got the pushed up breasts and the yeah. deep cleavage. And she's very sexual. And it's everything the Joker would want inside of like his, you know, his, his inside of this person. Right. It's a right. total but, male fantasy. And I liked how this movie totally emancipated her from that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. Because it wasn't just the emancipation of the character in the movie universe of the DC extended universe. But it was also the emancipation of the way we view the character as an outside society. Yes. And she even talks in the movie about her. What's the definition of a Harlequin and all this stuff. And really, the movie is taking a huge stance. It's trying to redefine what it means to be a Harlequin, what it means to be a woman. Um, She clearly says, like, oh, Harlequin is there to serve. And, like, traditionally, if you look up Harlequin, it means, like, buffoon, damask character, often Mm -hmm. mute. And, like, Harley has a lot to say. She is not mute. She is not mute at all. Isn't it crazy how there were moments in this film that are from the trailer? And typically, like, I will say this was not the best cut trailer. And I can understand why some folks may have been turned off by wanting to go watch the movie. I was surprised by how well the moments in the trailer played better in the film. Like that Harlequin line, I was like, it sounds like a a trailer line. But like in the movie, when you get in the context of how she's speaking with Canary at the bar, you're just like, damn, that works so much better. Margot's playing it. Yeah. So I loved her arc. You mentioned that this is a breakup movie. I love that it was a breakup movie. She did a lot of familiar shit. She was drinking alcohol. She was partying. She was crying. She was buying new pets. Freaking hyena. She was chopping (laughs) off her hair, which is a very obvious symbol of femininity. She went back to where it all started. The chemical plant blew that shit up, too. I mean, these are very familiar behaviors. She may have used the same playbook, but she certainly didn't follow the rule book. And I thought everything she did was extra. And I thought everything she did had meaning. I agree with that for sure. Uh, this movie is such a strong... Look, a lot of people, and I think maybe this is why it's failing at the box office. And I put that in quotes because it's still like solid money. I think that you were talking about it, Colby, about, you know, all these guys who grew up with these characters view them in a certain way. And when the trailers start coming out and you see that it's not the way that they grew up with, there's like this backlash and there's this hesitance and it's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be, which is a bunch of crap. It's it's however the story is going to be, however it's written and however it's portrayed by the people who are taking control of it at that time. So in this case, uh, it's um, Chris, uh, Kathy Yan and Christina Hodson. The way they wrote this character, the way they wrote this story is going to be different and it's going to appeal to the next generation of people. The next generation of fans. And who do you want as fans of these protagonists? You want girls. You want women. And you want them to be able to see a cool influence. Although, you know, she's still like a villain. But you still want to see a cool influence. And you're not going to get that with the old style of like voluptuous type of uh, women who just cater to the main character. And that is kind of, you know, you're basically shunning off a lot of those you know, comic book fans, you know, (laughs) you know, 50, 50 women and men. I think Harley was originally meant to be a guy's girl. Yeah. 
yeah, not pretty a much. girl's girl. And that's right. what this movie sets out to prove, that she is a girl's girl, that she's more than the Joker's girlfriend. Yes. Ju- just totally redefining her. Her identity was always made to be sidekick, subservient to Joker. She was never meant to be on her own. Right. So for her to like carry this whole movie and Margot Robbie to really pull her stamp on this and take ownership of this character in a way that many of her other like counterparts and people that have played superheroes haven't. Yes. Like it's such a mark of of like respect and responsibility to like this character and some you know bringing it to the 21st century and to 2020 essentially. Yeah. And it's a new type of femininity that it's showing off. It is. It is. And it totally is. Yeah, and this movie has so many different ways of showing it. Uh, mm-hmm. so like if we talk about like some of the things like either she's wearing or she's carrying around, like mm-hmm. for example, she she keeps <laughs> around a badly taxidermist beaver with a pink tutu. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> like tutus, yes, very feminine. Beavers, I mean you Not know, gonna go into detail, but no, yes. But that's you a know, symbol. That is a symbol. a symbol. And Harley's keeping it around as her womanhood. It's a decoration inside of her apartment. I think apartment. it's funny. It's it's played for laughs. But again, like yeah. she finds it as useful as like a plush stuffed animal. Yeah. This mm-hmm. idea of like traditional womanhood that like looks bad. It looks like shit. That beaver looks like shit. <laughs> it's got a googly eye. I really hope people understand the, sub- <laughs> the subtext of what we're talking about. I it's hope a literal like taxidermy beaver. It's yes. what we're talking about. That is what but we're talking about. We're also talking about like what it represents. And, and it's not just her. The no. other characters, the other female characters, yeah. you know, they are called the birds of prey. And, but for mm-hmm. the most part, there's so many references throughout the movie of them being caged you know being they caged, don't have their birds, own control being yeah. yeah exactly um being being caged is a great way to put it um and they even have like a tweety bird cartoon playing at one point and i was like wow they are going really hard on this um example because again what what are they breaking out of we already covered a man's world yeah. it's just like just like um black she canary sings. yeah just like Black Canary sings, they're not just birds, they're birds of prey. They'll tear you up and swallow you whole. And I like that the Tweety Bird was in there as well, because obviously if you watch the comics, you're like, look at the comics. If you watch Looney Tunes, you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, Tweety Bird's helpless. But obviously she gets a laugh laugh every time. She always every has that cat time. Tweety Bird's on the run. She? Yeah. Tweety Bird's a she. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you should see Colby's face right now. I didn't. Wait. You guys are messing with me for <laughs> I'm Tweet. pretty sure Tweety Bird oh is a Okay, sheep. so it's a male. Wait, no. Oh, it is? Are Ooh. we are we right about this? I don't know. I'm trying uh, to find a reliable source. This is <laughs> very good. But this is really <laughs> weird. Okay, so maybe we're all just getting confused here. Mm, maybe. Uh, do you have a good source? Uh, I'm looking I, I to mean, see. Uh, despite oh, Okay, here we go. Know. Here we go. Uh, despite the perceptions that people may hold, uh, the long eyelashes and everything, Tweety is male, although his ambiguity was played with. Uh, so basically, I guess, uh, I think what's it's that still term? valid. What's that well, term? Androgynous. Androgynous. Yes, androgynous yeah. is a great term. And I'm glad we had this conversation on here because yeah. we need to know... What Tweety is. 
<laughs> Did not think that's what where that Didn't conversation think it was going to go. To this, but I really like that that imagery that yeah. you know. Obviously, you think Tweety's helpless, and he's not. No, definitely not at all. And you know, you see them breaking out of their cages of course and there's different ways that they do it you know black canary she's an amazing fighter you have huntress who is seeking vengeance for what happened to her family you have harley quinn who is breaking up and how does she get over that by breaking into a police station with a bat for a huge well, fight I sequence think that for for harley she's trying to emancipate herself from from the joker, a joker and her entire identity is wrapped around in the joker which we Mm -hmm. talked about like in macro but like micro in the movie everyone's like oh she's with the joker don't mess with her she has protection because she's with the joker but now that she's not she's like fair game for everyone who who hated her everyone who she ever did wrong so she's just trying to survive (laughs) at this point yeah Yeah, she's just Um, trying to survive at this point and but i like when she picks up the the girl from the from the police station and uh, she's in that room with like the drugs and the all the weaponry and stuff and she sees a bat like of all the weapons in there she chooses a bat and i'm like oh my god that's so, she goes like, about it in such a non-lethal way like she yes. she walks up in the police station with a rifle and just like all right what's about to happen and she she's like spraying out like these harmless like fire i don't even know what they're yeah, called they're not like, bullets uh, no 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 they were um, like sandbags, like, like yeah, uh, sandbags and like these little firework things. But it's, yes. it's it's cute because in her mind, she still has she's still this playful person, and like mm. these cops didn't do anything to her. Yeah, right? she's right. not killing them, but she's like really injuring them. <laughs> if this was in like if this was in like a Zack Snyder movie, mm. she probably would have like sprayed all these guys. Yeah, she would have. <laughs> oh my god! And but I like how she walks in slow-mo. and she exploits her her femininity because she's like. Yeah. He, she walks in with like a trench coat, like very much like uh-huh. with the with the um, driving her handkerchief like tied on her yeah. head. Darling, can you help yeah. Danny now? You know, like very like <laughs> 1950s Hollywood type of thing. It was really cute. It mm. was. Now she but the is, bat was phallic. <laughs> now she is dealing with the biggest threat to her is Ewan McGregor's black mask. Um. We we touched upon it earlier. Rico, uh, what do you and, think about you and McGregor's black mask? Yes. No. Well, the character. Yes. What do you, that's like your thought. The character. What do you think? The character's name is uh, what's the Roman Roman? Silence. Yes. There we go. But his alter ego is Black Mask. Okay. So that's what I was referring to. I was referring but, to the character, not the actual mask itself. But what do you think about Ewan's performance and that character? Okay, so I think it, it, he is having so much fun. It is yes. such a delight to see some of the things that are going on. Um, a lot of the mannerisms and a lot of the thoughts that he says out loud, I couldn't help, and Jessica can back me up, is that my brother... Miguel, who has been on this show many times, he does have a lot of the tendencies of the way Ewan's character is, 
you know, he's like so the way extra. he likes, it's so extra. The way he yeah. likes to dress, the way he likes to Flamboy. talk about some of the things that he has. Like, there's a moment where he talks about the shrunken heads that he has. I love that scene in his uh, yeah. in his living room, and he like goes into detail of where they come, and he's like, and now they're here in my living room. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Or I like when he's like, okay, I'll spare you. And then he's like, is that a snot bubble? Oh, Oh, never mind. I take it back. Yes. (laughs) And my brother related to that so hard. Really? Yes. Oh, that's that's dope. <laughs> um, I, I I will say as much as I love the performance, there's a lot that's left. I don't want to say on the cutter room floor. I've heard <laughs> that there's a lot of editing to not not his characterization, but how he and Chris Mencina's Victor Saz in this film, and they they definitely did some editing with it. Um, I don't know if it's true. I mean, I it's pretty it. obvious what's going I believe on. It. I think them. he's a queer character. Like yeah. Yeah. Both and, you know, and, and as a straight man, it is not, I do not have the, <laughs> I don't have the degree of knowledge <laughs> to try to speak and like, you know, to try to contextualize that conversation, you know, for like our queer LGBTQ plus, you know, community. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. All I know is that for how it played out on film, I enjoyed it all. I can tell that there was stuff yeah, that was changed, but mm. it didn't detract from my my experience, though. Not you know at I mean? all. I thought it was still um, extremely interesting. Because that could go wrong if it's done wrong, like really. Uh-huh. Oh, totally, yeah. totally, and it could just uh, bastardize the way mm-hmm. a you know a gay character is portrayed. And yes, they didn't do that. That some they avoided that. Yeah. Um, so I think that this movie really leaned into. Um, what made Ewan's character really villainous? So there's one scene in particular that I wanted to, to cover, and that was, I think Colby was talking about this scene earlier in the club where mm. things are turning out Ewan's, um, that character's way, and he's like, he hears some other girl in the club laughing, and he's yes. like, oh, is she laughing at me? And he has this whole moment where he like humiliates her in front of everybody and tells her to stand up on the table, um, start dancing. There's no music. Take off your clothes. All this stuff. And yeah, I think you that think of, I'm sorry. Keep, no, no, no. It's fine. Saying, you, you can think go of ahead. The scene in Bombshell that Roger Ailes has with Margot Ooh, Robbie's yes. character. Yes. It is eerily similar in the fact that Margot Robbie is a <gasps> producer on this film. It's the point where. You've seen this kind of flamboyant, very loud, colorful character that Ewan's portraying as Roman Sionis. Mm. And as things are like falling apart because he's wanting this diamond, that's the MacGuffin of the film. That's what everybody's going after. And mm. it keeps eluding him and he's strung out. I mean, come on, he's on drugs and stuff like that. And yeah. He's at this bar. He's so insecure and he's fighting for power constantly Mm -hmm. and just like demeans this woman in like a horrible way. And I guess gets her boyfriend to help out. And I've I've heard some people say like this point, this this scene was unnecessary. But like one, I think the perspective, understanding the perspective of who's behind the camera uh-huh. In that, in other hands, it could have really been like sleazy and dirty. Yeah, but no, it wasn't. This was to change the allegiance that Canary had to him. Exactly, because she starts crying and she's like trying to stay strong in that scene. Mm-hmm. And like, I think she's holding herself back because she's like, I could probably do something here, but it would probably do me more harm than her good. Right, exactly. Um, so it was definitely a power struggle. A lot of like, 
humiliation tactics and um so I we had a friend Danny uh, Romero who's been on the show a few times he said I thought it was gonna be worse and I was like that was pretty bad <laughs> I thought that was really bad I, I can see it in the wrong hands it being worse where uh, in that moment we actually don't see her like get fully undressed like you see the character that the male character is ordered to take her clothes off, but we don't actually mm-hmm. see like the camera kind of turns. So it doesn't really show her. I thought in it was that a respectful. Vulnerable. Yes. Uh-huh. It was yes. a respectful way of doing it where it didn't put the woman into that much of a vulnerable position of showing her on screen. In right, that because then you're, we're moment. just as bad as you and McGregor or the filmmaker is. The filmmaker is because then the filmmaker is exploiting that moment of mm-hmm. not only are we going to show how bad this guy is, but then we're going to exploit this woman who's being, you know, terrorized, who's being sexually harassed in this moment and show it off. Mm-hmm. And so in the wrong hands, that could have been a very bad scene. And luckily, they they handled it with care where they didn't put the female character into too much of a vulnerable position. So that was good. Um, there's one character we haven't talked about yet, or we haven't really mentioned too much of her, and it's uh, <laughs> Renee Montoya, played by Rosie Perez. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Well, <laughs> I got, I've got, I've got a, I, yeah. Is this Rosie, a, we go way, way back. White man can jump? Oh nah, even Not before, before that, man. Okay. This is this is our soul train day. Oh, I mean, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Lead dancer number one, or you know, even when she was inside a living color, like she's man. Um, I remember her from Do the Right Thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like my number one, like when I think of her, I think of Do the Right Thing. Yeah, and I mean and she she's great. It, and I, I love the fact that they allowed a woman that's in her fifties and don't try to play her as something younger, um, and allow for her to be in her fifties and they don't it, it's not something that's like it doesn't need to be made into a big deal. They played her character as like this kind of like nineteen eighties inspired cop because that's when the character was written. So it's kind of cool that they didn't shy away from it. And the fact that they get the, the captain who like you just know from Twenty One Jump Street, like that's the dude from Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> like it was so cool. It was like it was such like a cool little like nod, you know, to those type of like cop tropes. And the fact that they made her uh, um. It, it, they made her a, um, a, a a lesbian character as well. Yes, yes. and Ali Wong. I had, had no idea was Ali the, Wong was in this film. Nice me neither. Like, you know, yeah, nice <laughs> little like surprise, you know, appearance in there. Um, my only issue is like not that she didn't have a lot because I think that she was still integral to the story, but it's just hard to sell Rosie Perez, this five foot nothing, very miniature woman, like taking out guys that are twice her size. So you really have to suspend some disbelief, especially in the big carnival showdown. Right, in the carnival showdown, that's part of it where she's taking out all these guys and she has these brass knuckles and that's it. Brass knuckles. And so, and yeah, so that you have to suspend disbelief on for sure. But overall, her character, I thought, was really cool. I do enjoy those 80s references of just just like these (laughs) cliched lines of Mm -hmm. cop speak. It's... (laughs) I, it's good. It's really good. It's it's really good. It pokes fun at itself. This this film this film has its tongue planted firmly in its cheek, and I think that it gets it. If it was trying to take itself so seriously, then that's where it it would really kind of miss, and the tone would it feel right. But I'm glad that it it, it knew how to play with it. Hmm. Exactly. So uh, before we Did get out of here, did you like that here, Marilyn that Marilyn callback? Marilyn oh. Monroe. 
the Marilyn Monroe callback. Which uh, was kind of heavy in the trailer. It was heavy in the trailer, and I was trying to figure out how it was going to play in the movie, but it made sense that it was just... I didn't expect it to be like that. It was, um, uh, it was, what what do you call it? In her head. Yeah, it it was was a hallucination, a, you know... Well, I mean, Black Mass smacked the snot out of her. Yeah. Yes. She had a concussion (laughs) after that. Yeah, he he, he really, he socked her good, and it's just this... And understanding, like, this woman is mentally unstable. Like, mm-hmm. she, if you got we got to recognize she's been through some stuff. One, she is, you know, she she she's a heavy drinker, <laughs> you know. <laughs> she's a heavy abuser of, um, of drugs and stuff like that. And she herself has gone through a lot of trauma. Dealing with a bad breakup from a Abusive. deplorable person in yeah. The Joker. I mean, we see her inside of a scene earlier where she's a victim of sexual assault and Black Canary has to come to save her. Yep. Yeah, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. like it's 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 crazy to think. So it was cool to kind of think like all right, where her head goes into. Like, all right, she's she's finding these little pockets, not of happiness, but like, all right, there's there's some strength that she doesn't have right now, and that she's kind of going to this place. And I thought it was cute. It didn't do anything to detract, you know, to, to uh, detract from the story. I just thought it was like another element of kind of like adding a sprinkle of flavor to what makes Harley such a cool character. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree with that. Uh, now, before we get out of here, did we have any final thoughts or were there any favorite moments for people, for anyone, or any lines that kind of stuck out? Ah, the hair tie. <laughs> because honestly, as a woman with long hair, that moment was very much like true to life. <laughs> like yes. if you do, if you're working out, running, uh, whatever, fighting like these girls were doing, like your hair in your face is a hindrance. And that's just goes back to what I find annoying in most movies with the high heels and everything. It's like, no, 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 let's, let's throw a little bit of realism in here. Yes. And as a guy with long hair now, I can totally relate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's cool. Uh, You need to get your hair out of face. The canary cry. The canary um, cry. I was waiting for it. I was I was trying to see how it was going to come, and we got a little sprinkle of it early in the beginning of um, mm, after her performance with the martini glass. And, absolutely, and I, I'd say it could have been finessed in a little bit more. Could have been foreshadowed a little bit with greater detail. But when it finally came, and and this is the moment where Dolby just completely, I felt the <gasps> shake, and it was absolutely necessary to them getting over to like to their goal, and it just comes out, and it was it was it this the, it was done really really well. That canary cry was okay. everything I wanted. It was a little bit like oh I got a little whiplash because mm-hmm. I am not familiar with these characters. This is the first mm-hmm. time I've okay. ever seen them. So when she like screamed, and I was like oh we're back in the comic books, I guess. <laughs> like <Yeah>. it was. <laughs> it's it's weird because for a while throughout the film you're like this doesn't feel like i mean aside of like how hyper real Mm -hmm. and kind of kinetic everything is it feels grounded outside of like the vibrant colors but then you're reminded like oh there are fantastical people inside of this world Mm -hmm. and i i like that because that's what appealed to me when i was a kid i love superpowers yes so i felt that at the very end too and then uh ewan mcgregor's character getting like obliterated it was it was was that was a really cool explosion it was you saw him chunky fall in the water it was ugh. yeah even though i'll say this afterwards after i was trying to like after i I wrote up my review and everything and i'm trying to figure out like you know why 
it's underperforming and they believe there's a lot. I mean, you could do a whole another separate podcast on like why people mm-hmm. are deciding not to watch this movie and it's it's awful. This they obviously recognize that they kind of poo-pooed on the marketing with t- titling this wrong. Mm. It didn't need to be rated R. Oh, okay. Mm. So you felt it didn't need to be. So. Like think about it. When you think about the film, how much blood do we see? It's oh, not no, it's not the blood. blood. It's not the blood. It's the it's it's so, the language and it's the thematic elements and it's the but the language. The, honestly, I mean, it, there. I, I think there's a PG thirteen cut in this film that would not grotesquely take away from Kathy Ann's vision, in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, okay, I I get it. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Sure, but I think I liked Harley fucking Quinn. <laughs> more with the cursing and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still, I still, I still call bullshit on the whole thing that like, oh, kids nowadays. They like, I, I'm sorry. Maybe back <laughs> in like the '90s, parents are like, you better not go see an R-rated movie. But like, kids, kids see way worse on TV. Yeah, you know? or yeah. way worse online. For sure, <laughs> for sure. So it's it's, it's interesting. But I, I'm wondering if there's a PG-13 cut that I because mean, I just I feel like this film deserves. Like the eyes. This, this deserved eyes. a Wonder Woman, you know, debut. Mm. This deserved a Joker debut. And um, it's 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 not a bomb. Like, it still made its money back opening weekend worldwide. But it's mm-hmm. not going to be like the, this movie's going to make a billion dollars. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. right. it, it's not. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I wish more people would go out and watch it. For sure. Uh, now, the last thing I will say that I really liked was how... Despite all these bonds of sisterhood and this nice like crew that she got going, like at the end she's just like fucked off with the kid and like was like, No, you guys do your thing. I am not <laughs> gonna be part of this crime fighting trio here. Like, I got my own stuff to do. Yeah, that that's very true to Har- Harley. She is her own thing. She <laughs> she is not very nice about sharing the spotlight with anyone. Even with Joker, she very- struggled too. Exactly. I, I just think it was a nice touch where you're like, you thought it was going to be like an Avengers ending, like shawarma, but no. No, nah, no. Nah, she was like, <laughs> deuces. And she steals yeah, their car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really. her breakfast sandwich. Exactly. Yeah, Finally. Sandwich, which was a great scene. <laughs> great scene. I really enjoy a lot of the comedic bits, um, include, like really including Huntress. Uh, because of the fact that they keep calling back to her crossbow. And then at one point, it was Black Canary that mentioned, oh, but you got your bow and arrow. And she goes, it's not a fucking bow and arrow. I'm not 12. <laughs> <laughs> I like whenever um, Which is someone- such a dig at like Green Arrow. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, I liked when uh, a new guy showed up and was like, wanted his pound of flesh from harley and they just stop everything they're like this is so and so and like what she did wrong what she did <laughs> yes. wrong to him yes oh that it's was perfect. so great so that was really, really uh when uh black mask when he, they're talking about the crossbow killer he's like why don't i own the crossbow killer i like crossbows <laughs> <laughs> i like crossbow I'm, I'm really trying to work on his voice it, it was it, it was good man and chris really shout out to chris messina it, it's so nice to see him play victor's ass in this Really cool, really slinky, creepy way. And his, yeah. his, like, his affixation with, like, 
killing and like I mean when he's peeling he's, off yeah. uh, the, the golden dragon's face, I'm like, Ugh. oh yeah, golden lion's face. Ugh. Did he lick he my held Robbie's it. face? He held it in his hand. Remember, yeah. he took your guy's uh, face. And, stop it. Ugh, gross. Did he lick Margot Robbie's face though? Yes, he did. Yes, yes he did. Enough <laughs> said. Enough <laughs> said. Enough <laughs> said with that. Uh, we could go on for we a very keep going, long with this on. movie. But I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, we enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I think that more people should see it if you're somehow have made it through this entire episode and didn't care about the spoilers and haven't <laughs> seen the movie. Go ahead and watch it. I think it's a lot of fun and it's it's a good time at the movies. I, I can't really it is, stress that It is. It's so enough. cool. I really appreciate the movie and what it does and what it tries to say. So exactly it's it's smart you know yeah it is actually very smart Mm -hmm. uh now if this is your first time listening uh thank you so much for giving us a chance and if you like the show if you like where this has been and you've listened to the last few episodes go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app we're on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and many more and if you like us give us a review on apple podcasts you can check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Always Critic Pod. Colby, where can they find you? Yo, yo, yo. You can follow your boy. I'm on all the socials at Kobe Told Me on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Facebook if you're still into that at Kobe Mac. You can check out all of my written content at ColbyToldMe.com and my podcast, the Colby Told Me Podcast. I release it whenever I want to, so make sure to subscribe so you know if it's available. And when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Colby Told Me. Hey, Hey. thank you so much for coming on, Colby. We had so much fun talking about Birds of Prey. We really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, jumping on this call with us. But Rico, I think that's it. Well, yeah. I think we can say that that's been our show. I'm Rico. I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic podcast. Always a Critic.